And we're going to be reading from John chapter 20, starting with verse 19. Now, it's our practice to stand when we read the Word of God, to do this in honor of God and for the Word He's given us. So here we begin with John chapter 20. We're going to read verses 19 through 29. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it will be withheld. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples told them, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Verse 27, put your finger here and place your hand here. Put your hand and put it in my side. Do not disbelieve. Believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who believe who have not yet seen and believe. This is the word of the Lord. But, um, you know, yesterday I finished uh, my son's uh, announcement for graduation. So it's kind of an emotional time at our house because we're, we're going to be down a kid. And uh, I hear that that's most, I hear I'll get over that pretty quick uh, when they leave. But, but, uh, but right now it's, it's kind of emotional. But, um, you know, as, as we've been walking through and praying through that college process, one of the things that's been uh, on my heart to say to my son is that you're not choosing where you go to college. God is sending you somewhere. And, 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 you know, that's true for all of us. You know, we, we didn't, you know, you may think, oh, I chose to move to Owasso or Tulsa or Collinsville or wherever you live, Sperry or, or Uluga, but, but, but something bigger is going on in your life. You may have thought, oh, I chose to go in this engineering career or this uh, whatever you do, this teaching career, but, but what God was doing was uniquely creating you and, and gifting you and and sending you. 
And so my, my prayer is that we recognize that we are all called to live sent. Live sent by God. And, and this is where we are. This is why we're here. God has sent us here to this part of the world at this time in the history of the world, and none of it was an accident. Because God is at work in our lives. God is at work in the world. And, and one of the things that God has done is called us to be witnesses for him. And it's my prayer today that, that we understand that, especially as we walk into this week. This week in the life of our church is huge. It, it's a modern-day revival this week. Because what we're doing with, with the Passion Week, as soon as, the reason my, my cool little stage is gone that they built for me, um, is because as soon as this service is over, we're going to need your help to stack chairs, because this whole campus is going to transform into the Stations of the Cross. Where, where, where we're going to have the opportunity to point our community, uh, people that we know and we love, to Jesus. You know, at our church, we have a gospel challenge. And, and, and if you're visiting today, I want to tell you about that. Because, because uh, I've committed to the Lord for the rest of my life, as long as I have breath, every year I will embrace a gospel challenge. And because God has sent me to be a pastor, I said, all right, Lord, as long as I'm a pastor, as long as you let me be a pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure our church does that because this is a call that we have as, as Christians, to, to live sent with a challenge to share the gospel. And so for this year, our church has been challenged to embrace this call to, to find that one person that you get to sit down with face-to-face -face and say, let me tell you about Jesus. And, and I hope that you're praying about that. I hope you're, you're, you're praying about that gospel challenge. I hope that, that there's somebody in your mind that you're saying, look, I, I need, that's my one. That's my person. And, um, and, and you know, it, it's, this week is a week that, that it's a layup uh, if you know basketball. It's, it's, a, it's an easy shot. It's an easy proclamation because we bring them to the Passion Week. Bring them and let them walk through and see what, what Jesus has done. There was a couple I prayed for this week to live in my neighborhood, and we're going to go to them and say, hey, you know, I know that you don't believe what we believe, but can, can I just invite you to come and give you an opportunity to show you what we believe and just give you a chance to see it? And, and so my prayer is, is that all of us are embracing this gospel challenge. And this is a call that we have in our lives. Now, not lives. Now, um, we're in the book of John, John chapter 20. I hope you have your Bibles there, and let's look at this. John, the, the gospel of John, all the gospels were written so that people would believe. I mean, John actually says at the end of this chapter, in verse 31, he says, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. The whole reason John wrote this gospel, that God inspired him to write this, is so that people would believe in Jesus. The reason that God, in his wisdom, in his knowledge, in his sovereignty, has called us into his kingdom and planted us here and sent us to this place because people around us need to know Jesus. And it's my prayer that we live sent in this world. And this is something I, I pray we embrace. Now, it's interesting as you think about what took place before. And you may think, well, hey, wait a minute, Chris, you're jumping ahead here. We're in John chapter 20. Yeah, we're going to jump further ahead next week because on Easter Sunday, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, 
verses really 1 through 11. And you're like, hey, you're skipping the resurrection. No, no, I'm not. I mean, think about this. Think about what the disciples were experiencing as, as John unveils what took place with Thomas. And, I mean, think about this. The disciples, oh, my goodness, they, had, they were in the upper room with Jesus. And remember that, that account as, as Jesus is with them on, on this week, on the Passover week, he's with them. And, and he's in the upper room, and he, and he takes the bread and the wine, and he, and he passes it to them. And he says, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm going away. But, but whenever you take this bread and drink this cup, remember me. Well, Jesus, where, where are you going? What, what are you doing? I, I've been telling you from the beginning, guys, I'm going away. Okay, and then they're at the, around the table. Judas automatically and he whispers to Jesus, gets up and leaves, and, which is probably not super abnormal because Judas had stuff to take care of. But, but when you think about what went on in that moment, oh my goodness. I mean, Jesus, the Bible tells us that, that, that Judas is sitting there and Satan entered into him. I mean, can you imagine Jesus in that moment? He's the only one that recognizes Satan just entered into Judas. And Jesus whispers to him, whatever you must do, do it quickly. Judas gets up to leave. The disciples really don't get it. So then what do they do next? They, they head to the garden of Gethsemane. I mean, they're kind of tired. It's been a long day. But Jesus is in anguish. He, is, he, he knows what's awaiting him. He knows what he's about to do. Jesus says, Peter, James, and John, I need you, fellas. Guys, I need you. Come, come with me and let's go pray. Let's go a little further and let's pray together. And Jesus is praying. And Peter, James, and John, remember what they did? They fell asleep. Fell asleep. And then Jesus gets up, guys, guys, don't, don't you know, don't you, I need you to wake up, I need you to pray with me. And, and, and he's in so much anguish that Luke records that Jesus is literally sweating drops of blood. Because why is this so much anguish? Because here is a moment where holy God, the God in the flesh, is about to become sin for mankind. And Peter, James, and John are snoozing over here. But then they get woken up because there's commotion. It's like, well, what's going on? And, and, and all of a sudden, here's Judas, and he comes up to Jesus, kisses him on the cheek. And, and then all of a sudden, Peter's like, whoa, 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 time out. And he pulls out his sword, and he swings it. Remember that moment? Jesus rebukes Peter. Peter, put up your sword. What does he swing it at? He hits Malchus's ear. Peter wasn't a great shot, I guess. Missed. Cuts Malchus's ear off. Bad day for Malchus. Now, if we get to heaven and Malchus is not there, what a knothead. Are you kidding me? If I'm Malchus and I'm sitting there and I'm like, ow, my ear hurts and blood and everything, and what does Jesus do? He heals Malchus's ear. At that point, if I'm Malchus, I'm going, I'm on his team now. I'm going on his side. But the commotion was crazy. And what do the disciples do? They run away. They run away. Everybody but John runs away. And Jesus is there. He gets arrested. And these soldiers, they, they grab him and they, 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 they're mocking him. And they're, they're, they're spitting on him. They're, 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 
he goes through this illegal trial and these, it's unjust, it's not fair. The whole instance with Barabbas gets released and Jesus goes on trial and, and so they, they're, he goes before Pilate and this whole scene unfolds. And then as he walks the road to the cross, soldiers, oh, you're a king, huh? You're a king, huh? Let, let, me, let me fashion a crown for, my, for this king, crown of thorns. Puts the crown of thorns on his head. Mocks him, spits on him, beats him with these cat of nine tails. You know, you know the Bible says that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. I'm just picturing in my mind those angels in heaven, and, and they're going, oh, Jesus, I want that guy. Call us. Call us, Jesus. We're coming, and I want him. I want that guy that just put that crown of thorns on your head and spit on you. Jesus, call me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show him what fear looks like. I can see those angels saying, Jesus, I want that guy. But Jesus, looking at that soldier, not calling the angels because he's like, no, no, I want that guy. I want him goes to the cross and he's crucified between two thieves. And Peter, in the meantime, is, is running away and, and denying Christ just like Jesus said he would. And, and all of a sudden, this, even this little girl looks at him and says, I know you. You were with him. I don't know him. I've never met him. The rooster crows. Peter weeps bitterly. And then Jesus dies. And he says those words on the cross, it is finished. And the second those words came out of his mouth, all of a sudden it went crazy. It became dark. There was an earthquake. It was in the temple. The curtain was ripped from top to bottom. This chaos ensues. And, and, and this Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross that had been to countless crucifixions looked at this whole thing going on and says the truest thing that's ever been uttered. As he looked at Jesus' body on the cross and said, truly, this was the Son of God. And Jesus died. And they took him off the cross. And they put him in a tomb. In the beginning of John 20, here you see the Mary and uh, Mary the Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, come to the tomb to pay their respects and to anoint the body. And all of a sudden, his body's gone. It's gone. Where'd he go? Who took him? And then they they go to find Peter, and and Peter is he's gone. The body's gone. I don't I don't know where he is. And then John, I think it's kind of comical. John says, uh, I ran on ahead of Peter because I'm faster than he is. And, and uh, I love that. He was probably an athlete. I ran ahead of him. I got there first. But he was gone. And then you see, look at verse 19. That was the evening, the evening of that day. It's that day. That they're crushed. They're like, oh, what, is, what has happened in, in, in our lives? What has gone on? And, and it was the first day of the week. 
the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And then it happened. Look at this. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. What? I mean, if, if you were with the, if we were with the disciples and, and we're standing there and all of a sudden there he is, we'd be like, what am I seeing? Is this real? Can I trust my senses right now? Can I really, am I really seeing what I'm seeing? And then am I hearing what I'm hearing? I mean, if, why, why wouldn't Jesus go, guys, where, where were you? Why'd you run away? No, that's not what he says. Peace be with you. He says, those are the first words he uttered. They've got to be saying, how, how can this be? When, then, then verse 20, when he, had the, he said this, he, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. No kidding. They were, they were overjoyed. They were like, oh my goodness, here you are. And then he st- says again, peace be with you. Look, peace be with you. Because I can imagine that overjoyed going, oh no, we really, we really dropped the ball here. No, peace be with you. And look at what Jesus says. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And you know, this has been the call of God since that moment. God has been faithful to send people to every generation, to every people. And here we are. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, at a church connecting with suburbs all over the north side of Tulsa, communities all over in rural areas, in urban areas, and God has sent us to a people that need Him. And this week is so very important for us to not forget that. It's interesting. Look at verse 23. This is a really interesting verse. He says, if you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. Now, how do we understand that? That's a difficult passage to understand. John writes this down. This was the, he was there. This is the moment that, that they're trying to process this. Now, now, what he's not saying to the disciples, Jesus had already been clear in Mark chapter 2 that, that only God can forgive sins. So we need to understand this. We need to interpret this according to uh, the, what, these, what the disciples understood and how they lived. And, and most definitely, they weren't one saying, okay, I have now the power to offer forgiveness to the world. No, it was the cross that gives us forgiveness. It was what Jesus did. It's why our, our, our community, our world needs to see what Jesus did on the cross this week. This is why those that we're praying for, we need to come and help them see what Jesus did for them because it's not the disciples that have the power to forgive. But here's what, here's what Jesus is saying to understand this. They didn't understand this in a mechanical way. Oh, now I have the, the power of forgiveness. 
No, Jesus has the power of forgiveness. But this is a call for the church. What, what Jesus is saying here is that the church, followers of Christ, we have the right to tell those who turn to Jesus in repentance that their sins are forgiven. And we have the right to say to those who reject Jesus, your sins are not forgiven. This is why this week is so critically important to us because it's only through Jesus that sins can be forgiven. And one of the, the greatest needs of people in our church, in our community, the people that we know, is that forgiveness is available because of the cross. And it's my prayer that we are faithful to proclaim that to the world. It's interesting, you see in this first moment that, that Jesus is, appears before his disciples, but look, Thomas is missing. Thomas isn't there. I don't know where he was. Maybe he was mad or frustrated or scared. I don't know where he was. But notice verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So what happened? What happened? The disciples went and got him. The disciples went and got him. This is, this is why I, what I pray we do this week. There are people that, that we know that, that, that we need to go get. And, and this is my prayer for us. This is, I pray we're motivated by this. I pray that we're like, look, Lord, that one that I've been praying for, I'm going to go get him this week and let them see you. This is what happens. Uh, he, uh, the, the verse 25, the other disciples told him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hand marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. You see the stubbornness, the pride. Most people are just, uh, most people aren't, are just prideful. I'm not, I'm not going to believe that. But Thomas, what's interesting is the disciples loved him. The disciples went to him. They went after him. But then, uh, even though they went after him, they were coming after him, they did it in a way where Thomas was still with them. That's notable. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and, and, and see my hands and put it on your hand and place it in my side. Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. You know what my prayer is to, for this week for our church? That we go to people that were in their lives and say, hey, look, can you see Jesus? Do not disbelieve, but believe him. You know, it's interesting as I look at my Christian faith, Christianity is founded on the historic claim of the resurrection of Christ. Like, like this is where it stands. This is where we are grounded. We are grounded on the, on the claim of the resurrection of Christ. Paul even says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, that, that if the dead are not raised, if, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then all of this is futile. It's hopeless. All you have is this life. And the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, the fact that he conquered the grave, proves to us that death is not the end. It's only the door to eternal life. And this is what I believe a world needs to understand. 
there's a growing philosophy and belief in our culture that all we have is this life. And what we are going to do this week as a church is say, no, 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 no. That's not all there is because Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave. There is, death is not the end for any of us. And it's interesting that this philosophy is prevalent. Aren't you glad that this world's not our home? Aren't you thankful that death is not the end? Now, without apology, we've got to be a group of people that are working hard as ambassadors for Christ. Now, I'm going to go through our notes quick. I want you to hold with me and, and, and track with me pretty quick because, you know, when I look at the, the power of this moment, Thomas standing there going, oh, my goodness, Lord, how can this be? And Jesus looks at him and says, believe. Believe in me. Do you know that the resurrection of Christ, point number one is this, the resurrection of Christ is both intellectually credible and practically relevant. Do you know that makes sense that, that the resurrection is true? Do you know that it, it, it's interesting as I, I think about uh, the resurrection of Christ? Here's this moment that Jesus appears to people. He, he's proving the intellectual credibility of the resurrection. And, and why you may say, oh, well, Chris, how, how can you say that it's intellectually credible, credible? You're just using the Bible. No, it's um, the resurrection of Christ was a moment in history. Mortimer Adler is a philosopher, and he, uh, he uh, has determined that he's observed that there are two ways a person can understand truth. It's a matter of taste and a matter of fact. And unfortunately, a lot of people in our culture, they look at our, our belief in Christ and say, oh, that's good for you. That's good for you. They put it in that category as a matter of taste. It's, it's kind of like um, this, this idea of, I like tennis over golf. I prefer that. A lot of people say, well, you just prefer Christianity. I prefer Islam. There's a lot of fallacies with that. There's a lot of problems with that. Why? Because our faith in Christ is based in a moment in history. You know, if I looked at you and said that, you know, um, Benjamin Harrison was the 21st president of the United States. How many of you would agree with me on that? How many of you don't even know didn't even know that Benjamin Harrison, don't Google it right now. If I tried to make a convincing argument that Benjamin Harrison was the 21st president of the United States, I could make that argument, but I would be wrong. He was the 23rd president of the United States. I Googled it. So everything you see on the internet is true, right? But why would that be wrong? Because it was a moment in time, it was a historical event and history is not a matter of taste. It doesn't matter how I feel about that. Well, let's think about this. Like when we were in Israel, and, and, they, and we had this tour guide with us last year who was not a believer in Shlomi. We, we cared about him. We got to, we really liked him. And they tell you in Israel, don't try to evangelize all the tour guides because they've, they've heard it before. And I was like, oh, so I tried, I, well, I kind of tried not to do that. But, but as one day he and I were, were sitting there talking, 
And uh, he invited me to drink. He goes, do you drink alcohol? I go, I, I, I don't. And he goes, but you, I go, you can. And so he's sitting there knocking down this black licorice whiskey, and, and we're sitting at the table. And, and, uh, and, and he goes, I go, so let me tell me about how a Jewish person sees Jesus. Because just, I'm just curious. I've never had this, uh, this kind of close interaction. And he said, well, we just see Jesus as another false prophet that claimed to be God. Like, okay. I go, well, um, if, he, if he really rose from the dead, that's worth a look, isn't it? Wouldn't that be worth a look for you? Yeah, that'd be a pretty big deal. Yeah. And folks, I want you to see that my, I didn't have to check my brain at the door. The, the, uh, the, the resurrection of Christ is intellectually credible and practically relevant. The, the resurrection of Christ is not a matter of, of, of taste. It's a matter of fact. And the reason it's intellectually credible is because people saw Jesus. Thomas saw him. The reason it's practically relevant is because we're all going to die. And when you die, you need him. And if you don't have him, if, you've, if your sins are not forgiven, I can say to you, you won't go to heaven. If you don't believe him, if you don't put your faith in him, you won't go to heaven. But if you come to Jesus and put your faith in him, he'll save you. He'll forgive your sins. Because God is at work in the world. You know what? I got a phone call. Brennan got a phone call this week from Eli. We went to on this mission trip a couple weeks ago, and our high school students. Did you tell them? I'm going to tell them. Can I tell them? Oh, okay, good. Um, I mean, we're standing there. We shared the gospel. We tried to be. We tried tried to be real clear. And, like, there were so many people that came down and responded to the, the gospel that I almost thought I did it wrong. You know, this week, how many were baptized this week? 127? 100, 127. I mean, folks... God is at work in our lives. But we live in a world that says, you know what, I, I don't believe it. I don't, you know, I'm, I, I have all kinds of, uh, tr truth is, is relative to you, but can I tell you something, truth is narrow? Point number two is this, truth is narrow. You know, truth is always narrow. And the fact is that, that the narrowness of truth seems old-fashioned today, doesn't it? seems old-fashioned to say, oh, well, no, you, there's no absolute truth. That's a prevailing idea today, but, but truth is always narrow. It's like my dad. My dad was an auto mechanic, and he's 83. He'll be 84 this summer, and I'm still scared of my dad. And, uh, and my dad had this, this Ford diesel pickup, and, and I would frustrate my dad growing up because I tended to break things versus fix things. And, uh, and so he was always had me out under the car, and I'd break stuff. And, and so I am constructionally challenged as an individual. And, and so, so it just didn't translate to my part of the gene pool. And, and, and so my dad set me down when I would drive his truck, and he'd say, okay, listen to me. This is a diesel truck. 
Do not let it run out of gas. You hear me? Do not let it run out of gas. Okay. All right, Dad. So when it gets low, you go put gas in it. But you look at me. Do not put regular gas in this truck. Now, I didn't say, Dad, that's awfully narrow of you. That's awfully narrow-minded of you. You need to expand your mind, Dad. You need to expand your view. No, it's narrow. That truck would not, I did not do that. Someone just asked that. Did you do it? No, I did not do that. Because the truck won't run. You know what? Your life won't work the day you die without Jesus. Yeah, you can join clubs. You can join a bowling team. You can join, you know there's a curling club in Tulsa? I learned that this week. Wow. Curling, like the Olympic curling thing, shuffleboard on ice. And, uh, and you can join these things and build friendships. But you know, when you die, those things won't last. This is why our world needs to see what Jesus did. This is why we've got to be ambassadors for Christ this week and say, would you come with me and let me show you what, our sa- what, what my Savior did? This is why it's got to move us and motivate us. Truth is, truth is narrow. And the fact is, Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be God. Jesus accepted and received worship while he was on the earth. And, and, and as, he, as he walked the earth, people that walked with him said, oh my goodness, look at what he does. I mean, it's interesting because Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is with his disciples in the boat and, they're, and they're, they're, there's a storm and, and the storm rages and, and all of a sudden Jesus wakes up and rebukes the wind, stops the wind. And, and, and the disciples said, who is this that even the winds obey him? When he walked the earth, he showed this, this, he lived this life that people thought, who is this guy? He's got to be divine. He's got to be from God. And then he died on the cross and rose from the dead, proving that he's God. And folks, that was a moment in history. That was a moment that we need to proclaim to the world. And look at verse 28. Thomas is standing there, and, and all of a sudden, he, he's like, I'm not going to believe. He boldly said to the disciples, I'm not going to believe this. And then he's standing in front of him. Thomas, look. See? You know, what we don't see is Thomas going, okay, well, let me see your hand, Jesus. Let me see. Huh? Let me see that side. Oh, well, okay. All right, maybe so. No, that's not what he said. Jesus is standing before him. What does he say? Thomas answered him. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Point number three is this. The the magnitude of the resurrection claims demands we investigate the authenticity. That's why if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the magnitude of this claim demands you investigate the authenticity of it. You know, we live in a world that, that C.S. Lewis articulated this, so that, that, that a lot of people in the world see Jesus as a legend, but not historical. This is one view that I hear. Jesus is a legend, uh, you know, but, but he really wasn't a historical figure. But, but the reality is Jesus did enter human history. Uh, there, there's not much dispute about this. Jesus was a person of history. And the people that saw him were mag- just just amazed by him. A lot of people see Jesus as a good man. 
but not God. You know, there's a lot of people that will come through here this week. They will say, oh, he's a good man, but he wasn't God. But, but the problem with that, with that is who else has ever conquered the grave? But showing, I mean, shows death's not the end. Folks, a lot of people believe he's a good man but not God. But, but you know what? The reality is if you think about this, logically, if, if, if Jesus wasn't God, could he be a good man? I mean, wouldn't he be a liar? Or a third option, that a deceiver. A lot of people believe he's a deceiver. You know, a lot of people look at Jesus and go, no, he just deceived people. I think the only option is where Thomas got. And it's this, that he is who he said he is. Folks, I'm telling you, it's interesting as this conversation ends with Thomas. He says, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? And Jesus makes this interesting comment. Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. You know that I I believe that when we die, I, I passionately believe this, that it's not the end. I think when in heaven, as believers, we're going to know one another. I think we're going to get to hang out with Thomas. I think he's going to be like, I know, I'm known as the doubting guy. I know, I know. But honestly, but, but really, he's honest. I'm thankful for Thomas. Because if it wasn't for his questions, I can relate to Thomas. If it wasn't for his questions, we wouldn't have, when he said to Jesus, Lord, how do we know the way? How do we know where you're going? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Thomas. And it was Thomas's questions, Thomas's struggle that Jesus gave that response. I'm thankful we have that response. It's Thomas right here that his honesty that we struggle with. And I think when we get to heaven, I, I've always thought, I want to sit with Thomas and go, dude, tell me what it was like. Tell me about that moment when you saw him. Tell me about that moment. And Thomas will be like, hey, you've already read about that. You tell me what it was like to never see him, and yet you believed him. You trusted him. You walked with him. You gave, and you served, and you, and you worked hard in your day to let people see what our Savior did. You tell me what that's like. Because we're the ones, I think, that will be blessed. I don't know how that's going to flesh out. But isn't that crazy to think about, amazing to think about? That we will be in that category of blessing. Come on. Jesus entered human history. God in the flesh entered human history. Surely you're not just living for this life. Surely as a Christian, because Jesus is who he says he is, that we're moved and motivated to say, look, let's be witnesses in the world. Surely we're going to have a a burden for for people. Surely we're not going to let this week go by 
without looking at the person that's on our heart and say, would you come with me? I'll, I'll drive you. Come and see what my Savior did. Lord, I've been praying for our church that we would have a burden for the souls of men. That, that we would look outside of ourselves and remember that we're called to live sent right here. Most, most churches trip up because they start looking in the mirror and stop seeing the mission field where God planted them. We're sent here. Let's act like it. Let's live like it. We're going to have an invitation. And it's my prayer that you're moved to pray for some folks. All right, Addie, I'm going to call you out. I need you, you girls, to pray for our, we're, we're tag teaming on a one. It's actually a two, but pray for her. And let's, let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord, God, give us a burden. If you're like, yeah, I don't have anybody right now I'm praying for. Why? How can we not? Let's... Maybe let's, let's get on our knees and take people to the feet of Jesus and pray that people get saved this week. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not asking for decisions today. I'm calling us to pray. These altars need to be filled with broken people praying for the souls of men You may not be able to come and kneel. That's okay. Kneel at your seat. But Joe's going to pray. And let's go to the, Joe's going to lead us in this invitation. Let's go to the Lord. There's people I'm praying for, three specifically right now.